This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. and welcome to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. I am doing a live broadcast today because I want to introduce to you someone I've been working with behind the scenes for a few months now. And this lady has a very important message in the world. And you know that I'm all about helping people get visible and also amplifying important messages. Now, this message is something we don't often talk about on this show. And there's a reason that this work needs to be heard. Um, and it's because what who, the person I'm speaking to today is Rebecca Lowry, who is the brand new host of the brand new podcast, The Sexual Alchemy Podcast, which was released just this morning over on Apple and Spotify. And we really need your support because there are many people who need to hear about Rebecca's work, many men who need to hear about Rebecca's work, who aren't going to be out there sharing the podcast loud and clear and sharing with all of their buddies, their friends and their colleagues because of the nature of this podcast. So Rebecca, huge welcome to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about your show and your work. What is it you do with the sexual alchemy work you do? Okay, well, thank you. So I've been working in the field of healing and personal development, that sort of thing, for about 25 years, but the last 15 years, specifically with men's sexuality and um, deeply transformative healing, working with the body and energy system to transform the stuff that hasn't been working into something that works. And that stuff that doesn't work tends to be things like shame and fear and conditioning around how to be a man and all the horrible messaging that men get about their bodies and their genitals and their desires and who they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to be it. And so my work is really, when I first started doing it, it was about transforming specific sexual issues. And now it's more about taking men back to the core truth of who they really are, because from that place, they're already intuitive, they're already confident, they're already sensual, and they're already this masterful lover that they long to be. And that's what the podcast is about. (laughs) So this podcast then, who is it that you, who is it that you want to reach? And why is it hard for us to get this message to them? Great questions. So the men I work with tend to be in their 40s, 50s, and 60s or older, sometimes with specific sexual issues, as I say, but quite often they have very little experience of intimacy and pleasure and connection or no recent experience. And because of the shame around intimacy and pleasure and all that in our world, you know, they're not asking their mates how to go about healing this. They're not ringing up their buddy and saying, hey, you know, I've not been sexual and I'm 50. What do I do about that? So they tend to be kind of shy. They tend to be very intelligent and kind of stuck in their head and less in their body because that's been a place, a a safe place to retreat to. But they often don't know where to get the help. In fact, I was talking about the podcast a few days ago on LinkedIn and somebody messaged me saying, I didn't even know this kind of help was available. And so there's so much shame around sexuality and especially like men are supposed to know what they're doing according to the messages we get given, right? And so they don't know there's this kind of help 
and they don't know where to get it. And the shame in asking, so they don't talk to their doctor, they don't talk to their mates. Where do they go? You know, so for me, it's really important to get the podcast out. What comes up for me when you're talking about, you know, intelligent, sensitive souls who are probably very accomplished in other areas of their lives because they're intelligent, they, you know, they've got a good head on their shoulders. But when I think about them, I think about them as young men. I think about them as teenagers. And I think we all knew people at school who were quite clearly late bloomers or never have gone on to fully bloom. The, those those boys who were perhaps really bookish or geeky and they thrived for the sciences, they thrived for the computing. I know there's a whole load of stereotypes I'm throwing out here. They just weren't aware of themselves. They hadn't quite they hadn't got early female attention or or whatever, or male attention or whatever. And they've not grown into, they hadn't grown into those parts of themselves at the rate that many of their peers were developing and fooling around and all of those things. But your work isn't just for those who have no experience. It's also for those who have some, but are not fully present, are not fully there, are not confident in themselves. How do you see this then having a knock-on effect with the rest of their life, with their working life? Yeah, that's a great question. So I often say how a man feels about himself in the bedroom is how he carries himself in the rest of his life. You know, if a man feels, he doesn't even have to feel like, oh, I'm such an amazing lover. He just has to feel like I'm all right in the bedroom. He just feels I'm all right in the bedroom. Oh, I'm getting emotional. We're talking about it. He's just going to hold himself up a little bit more, you know, his shoulders back and down and his head up a little bit more about how he feels about himself, which is going to impact all his other relationships, his work. He's going to show up a bit more at his work. He's going to show up a bit more in his life. He's going to show up more with his friends and family, you know, and when you show up more, when you're more present in those things, they have more meaning, more purpose, more, more impact on you as whether you're the giver or receiver in that. So, you know, if you feel shame and if you're carrying that around or you feel lack of confidence, you're going to close yourself up a bit. You're not going to put yourself out there as much. You know, you're not going to take risks. You're not going to make yourself vulnerable. And so that can hold you back at work. It can hold you back anywhere, really. And you have a book around this as well, don't you? About, I can't remember the exact title, but it's around the bedroom and the boardroom and where those two collide. I should have one here to hold up, but it's over there somewhere. It's um, 101 Meditations for Life, Business and Bedroom Success. And although they're meditations or or, or although the book says they're meditations, they're actually really different. The point that the book makes is that meditation is really about coming into the present moment and that when we bring our, our presence, our awareness to the present moment, anything can be a meditation and anything is then enlivened or enriched. So you can be doing the washing up and not be very present with it or be complaining about doing it, or you could be utterly present with it and the magic of water coming into your home and how lucky you are to have these plates and to be in service of cleaning them. And then it changes that experience, which changes your biochemistry, which changes how you then go out and impact on your life or the bedroom. I'm I'm still thinking I like the dishwasher, but I get your point. (laughs) I don't have one. (laughs) Well, it's because you're too busy enjoying the magic of the washing up. For people who come and work with you, this is a very private, often shame-filled relationship that you're building. What kind of condition, what kind of reasons, what are often the breaking points that happen for your past clients when they decide I have to do something about this? Hmm. 
it varies. I would say a lot of my guys come for sessions when they find out that there's something that can be done. You know, like previously, like for some of them, there's a, a breaking point. So I've had guys come to me and tell me that they just lost their best friend or a parent or someone really close to them. And they realized life is short and, oh, I'm getting emotional again, and that they need to make the most of it. And that's often something. Losing someone close to them is often a thing. Or they've discovered, there's a, a few um, catchphrases like tantra or conscious sexuality that kind of buzz around. And they hear about that and think, wait a minute, is there actually something that could help? They don't want to take a little pill because that doesn't solve the issue. It just addresses a symptom. Or they don't want to talk to their doctor. They're ashamed to talk to someone. But when they find out there's someone who actually does it for a living, and feels somewhat safe and non-judgmental, it feels a little bit safer to inquire. Unfortunately, a lot of them lose someone close to them. And that's what I'm just think going through a few in my mind. And I think some of them just hit a point where they're like, it's time, you know, yeah. it's now or never. Time to claim this for myself. Yeah. One of the things that struck me as you were talking earlier was a lot of it stems from that feeling of being good enough, from feeling that you are enough. What was it that brought you to this work, Rebecca? Did you wake up one morning and think, right, that's it. Those men, they're going to learn. That I'm the lady. <laughs> it was actually with reluctance in a way that I came to it. Like 17 years ago or something ridiculous. So I'd always been kind of interested in sexuality and had had some really awful experiences and had some good experiences. And I knew that there was something more to it, which is something else that that drives men towards me. They just know there's something more than what they've maybe experienced or heard of. And I went to a festival and heard about a tantra workshop that was going to be run and thought, I'm going to go see what that's about. And uh, it blew my mind. It was just a two-hour introduction. And afterwards, everyone was kind of floating around, feeling all like loved up on life. And I remember looking at the teacher and it was like a, a spotlight came down on her. <laughs> and I heard like the universe speak to me saying, you will do this work. And I was like, no, I'm scared. I'm going to run away. And I did. I ran away for about 18 months. And then eventually I went and did some training with her. And she said to me very early on, you know this stuff. She said, you just, you don't know what you know, so let's wake it up in you. And I went on to assist her, but also have my own experience and own journey and sexual healing and all of that with loads of other teachers whilst assisting her. And then she just started sending me clients. And about two years later, she said, you need a website. This is your work now. And what is it that drives you to make this change? Do you know... Throughout the 15 years I've done this work, there's been different iterations of what wanted to happen through me, of, of the kinds of clients who came and the work that needed to happen. And I've tried to give it up several times. Mm -hmm. You know, when I turned 50, I remember laying on a, on a hotel bed and just said, universe, take it all away. I don't want to do it anymore. It's too hard. I get judged. I, you know, people mis misperceive what I do. I don't want to do it anymore. And of course, the universe went, <laughs> this is what you were here to do. And eventually I said, okay, what happens if I just own it and stand up and say, okay, this is what I'm here to do. And as soon as I did that, it's like something went whoosh in me and it just happens. You know, it happens around men even when we're not necessarily in a working relationship, it's, it's something will happen in them. They'll tell me later, like this shifted for me and I was just 
chatting with you on the phone or I was just talking with you somewhere. And that excites me. I think where we are in the world right now, I, I figure it's like this. We're either about to flush humanity down the toilet, you know, the six mass extinction stuff, or we're going to evolve into something greater. Either which way, why not become the best version of ourselves? Mm-hmm. And the task I seem to have been given is to help men step into their power and to learn how to have power with instead of power over, which is the old paradigms that are falling away. I mean, as you can see, it just excites me. It's it's something, it's like, a, I feel like an antenna and a certain energy comes through me that does the work and I get to feel it when it comes through. So it's, I know, I just come alive. Very clear. Those of you who are watching or listening to this, if you go and listen to Rebecca's podcast, the Sexual Alchemy podcast just released today, if you listen to that, there's something in your voice that it's it's a very clear message that is being transmuted through you. I'm curious about why you made the decision along the way to want to give it up when it felt so strong in you that you should be doing this. What was driving that? So I work very much intuitively and very much with subtle, refined energy. And when my energy isn't crystal clear, I start to attract people who aren't quite ready for the work. But so they're they're coming from the pool of, you know, if you think of everyone in the world, there's a lot of people who have shame and fear and guilt and mixed up dysfunctional messages about sexuality and how they should express that and, and how they should express that as a man. And when I'm not crystal clear, I get people who approach me in not very nice ways. Or, you know, a few years ago, I went networking And as soon as people heard what I did, guys would start come over and start telling me their sexual issues or telling me how they felt about me personally as sexual being or as a woman, which is just inappropriate. You know, I had guys who were married coming on to me and calling me and and I was just like, no, this is, I don't like this. This is not okay. What I, and I feel emotional again. (laughs) What I realized was a couple of things. For one, I wasn't really owning the work. And so I was attracting people who could kind of smell it on me, but I wasn't clear about what I was offering and what I wasn't. And so now that I've said, yes, this is what I do, and I'm really freaking excited about it, I attract people who get it more, who are more appropriate with me. And I have more compassion for those who don't get it, you know, and those who show up in your inbox inappropriately. They need the work, you know, and they're the ones that I'm here to help. You mentioned earlier about it being misperceived or be you being judged. Tell us a bit about that, because part of that is really wrapped up with visibility as you put yourself out there in a particular way with a particular title that you help people with sex. Right. Um, tell me about, about what's come back at you or what you were scared of in terms of that judgment. Oh, gosh, where do I start? <laughs> Well, before I was standing really firmly in the work, I didn't quite know how to deal with all the people, all the men who really needed help, but really were not coming from a very nice place with it or who were disrespectful or who didn't want to hear how I helped or what the work was really about, but wanted to tell me 
what they thought it was or how they thought it should be or what I should do for them. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works, you know? So, and like you say, every time you put your head above the parapet, every time you put yourself out there to be seen a little bit, everyone wants to take a shot at, you know, someone said to me as soon, this was someone who dear to me, who had written a book, but was afraid to put it out, said, as soon as you put out a book, 50% of people will love you and 50% of people will hate you. And I was like, mm, I think 30% will love you and 30% will hate you. And the, other, the rest don't give a shit. Really? Yeah, I think you that's know? very, I'd, I'd say it's actually higher percentage of people who just right. don't care. Right. They're just focused on their own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it's terrifying. I mean, it's really interesting because I know the work you do is about helping people be seen and get their message out. And in a way, I do the same, but in terms of allowing your true vulnerable self to be seen generally in your life so that you can do that in the bedroom. Because if you're not doing it in your life, it's going to be really hard to do in the bedroom because that feels riskier. If you can do it in the bedroom, not to you can switch. Right, right? It's about how you feel about yourself. Yeah. So what I'm curious about is for the people who have this problem, how big a problem is it for them? Yeah, I mean, it varies a lot. But I would say what's really interesting to me is that the guys that I love working with it's really hard to get from where they are to doing something about it because the very nature of the shame, that particular strand of shame, it's very heavy. It's very difficult to move it out of the way and clear the clouds enough to do something. Because I think once you hit your kind of 50s, 60s, which is where a lot of my guys are, and you are missing that part, and and we know when we're missing it, you know, Sure, there's a segment of society that sexuality maybe isn't for them. There's, you know, that's fine. But for many, for my guys, it's in there and they can feel it. And it, you can only suppress it so much. You know, it, it takes a lot of energy to suppress the biggest parts of who you are. And the biggest parts of who you are are it's your loving self and it's your sexual self, which really is this gorgeous, sacred part of who you are. And only a fragment of that self is for what most people think of as sex. It's, it's also about your your aliveness and your, you know, I said to you the, the word effervescent. You know, if you mm-hmm. can switch your sexual energy on and go shopping for the day, you're going to have a better experience. You know, it's about bringing a, a level of vitality to your life. Exactly. So then I asked you, how big is it for the individual? How big a problem is this for society? How mm-hmm. How prevalent is this? I think it's massive. You know, you said before something about when people don't feel their worth, they don't feel good enough. And I say that that is the human wound. The human wound is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I think everyone has a touch of it somewhere. And I think, you know, so in terms of the men that I work with, I would say huge amounts of them need the work to come more into their own bodies and their lives and their work and their relationships generally. There's a bunch of guys who, have some sexual experience, but it's still very, what's the word I want to use? Either what they've been taught, but they haven't quite explored further. It's like my guys often, even though they haven't got there yet, know intuitively there's more to their sexual energy and their sexual self and how they can express that than just sex. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I answered the question because I got all excited (laughs) off on a tangent. 
That's all right. I love a tangent. It's sometimes where the best, the best juicy bits come from. I was asking how big this problem this is for society. Oh, how how many how right. many people are affected by this? Yeah, I mean, in terms of how big it is for society, if you think about, uh, there must be thousands of men who are hiding who they really are, who are hiding their their full self from everyone. And if they were to bring that out into the world, it feels to me like the world would go from black and white into technicolor. You would have, if we had more people connected to their heart and not coming from shame, but coming from wholeness and their sexuality from wholeness, that is going to enrich our world. It's going to bring a different, higher vibration to the world. I love that concept of just bringing a whole different energy to everything. Mm. I'd love to hear of a couple of, transformations if that's not too grand a word the the a to z where where you've seen people arrive and where they have left and been mm, able to kind right. of go on to so one of my favorite stories to tell and i have permission from him to tell his story is a lovely chap i worked with a few years ago he came to see me right around his 50th birthday oh, i love him so much and he was visibly shaking you know he's really nervous and he had lost somebody close to him. In fact, I think his best friend had died within a few months of him coming to see me. And he had never been with a woman, never seen a woman naked, never explored anything at all. He worked in IT and he very much said, you know, he kind of had his little cubicle and he stuck to his cubicle and he didn't talk to people at work. He didn't engage with them except to be grumpy with them. And his life was fairly small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we started working together. And I think we worked together quite a lot for a year and then a little bit off and on. And I sent him to work with one of my teachers for a while, but about 18 months or two years in total that we worked together. Well, he went on to have a relationship with a Tantra teacher. And then they they split up and stayed really good friends. And he went on to find who he calls his beloved. And She's good friends with his ex, you know, and so he's, and I think there was a a lover as well, and they're all good friends and they're all around him. So he went from having no experience to having these three really significant women in his life who all love and adore him. And the journey on the way to that involved him honestly being so adventurous. You know, he went from hiding in his cubicle to exploring all kinds of tangents of of sexuality, just to see what it was like. He was like, oh, I've heard of this thing. I'm going to go try that. And, you know, there was a time many years ago where I was teaching a kinky erotic massage. I was teaching practitioners how to do it. And he would be the body that we practiced on. This is a man who had nobody touch him. And suddenly he was like, oh, I'll, I'll be the body. You can practice on me, you know, which was just phenomenal. Like, Lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it was like we it's like we took off this this mask of who he had been being in the world and underneath it and i see this all the time was this cheeky playful chap who just has so much energy and love and creativity to bring to the world which he does now you know mm-hmm. and he ended up quitting his job and moving somewhere else in the country where he wanted to be. And his life is totally different now than when we started. He has good, intimate relationships, erotic, but also with friends and with family. And 
Totally different than when we started. I've got chills. Amazing. So where are these men? How do we find them? How do we see them? How do we make sure that we can share with them the work that you're doing? I think pretty much everyone listening to this, male or female, will know at least one person that needs some help. I agree. I would say you work with these men. They're in, well, I was going to say in your offices, you're probably working from home now. But you, you know, as we're talking, you're probably going, oh, I bet Bob needs that. Or I bet, you know, you work with them, you meet them in the pub, you probably are in some kind of groups that, oh, do they play sports? Mm, not maybe. A lot of them are very musical though. So that, you know, there's somewhere in the periphery of your life, they're not talking about it with you. You know, they're probably, if you're standing around with a drink in your hand somewhere with them and something about intimacy or pleasure, whatever comes up, they're either going to withdraw into their drink or they're going to leave the conversation because that's not happening for them, you know, but they're somewhere in your life that, yeah, they're, they're everywhere because it's, it's, is it prevalent the right word? Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing. Like you said at the beginning about thinking about these men when they were younger, when they were teenagers and that developmental stage sort of passing them by. I think there's something that happens when we're in our teens and early 20s that there's um, a young person's courage or hormones or something, you know, that pushes some people out to explore. And these guys, for whatever reason, that doesn't happen. And it gets scarier then to go and do it. It's like learning to drive when you're in your thirties is different. It's like all those judgments, you know, if you've not, if you've not had loads of girlfriends by the time you're 30, you've not lost it by the time you're 21, whatever that is, whatever label that is and the meaning that can be attached to that is painful. And it compounds. So every month or year that nothing happens with it, it gets worse and worse and worse. Harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, predominantly my listeners are female not entirely for those of us who recognize that this work's important and there are potentially people in our lives who might need to know about your show your work your podcast how can we do that without being rude without being hurtful yeah without being obvious what would your advice be for how we can support people with this the first thing that comes when you say that is if you're recognizing someone in your life that needs this is whether you approach them directly or indirectly to do so with a very open heart and with no judgment, because if they feel it coming, like there's something wrong with them, Mm -hmm. they're going to shut down because really there's nothing wrong. It's just, there's something more to them. You know what I mean? They're not broken. They just haven't found their way in. So first thing would be coming with an open heart, most well-meaning, non-judgmental, kind of energy. And then the other thing would be, if it's someone that you feel you can speak to directly, you could say, oh, I've heard this podcast, you might like it, or I've seen this website to know maybe it's of interest to you. If it's indirectly, it might be something like, I don't know, posting about it or sharing about it or something like that. Something a little bit where they're not saying you have the problem, but oh, interesting podcast. Yeah. So people listening, There are thousands of you that tune into this podcast when you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Rebecca's work could make a fundamental difference to the life and well-being, mental well-being, physical well-being, to a man in your life that you probably care about, be your brother, your son, maybe even your dad. Maybe if you were just to share Rebecca's podcast, the Sexual Alchemy podcast, on your own social media, 
talking about how much you realize that this is something that others aren't going to share, men aren't going to share for fear of whatever label, fear of judgment, then I'd just like to invite you to to head over to Rebecca's podcast. The link is in the show notes and give it a little share somewhere with someone who needs to hear it. And if you can't do it directly, because that would be too uncomfortable, do it on your socials so we get this message out there loud and clear. So Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on to Entrepreneurs Get Visible today. It's been uh, interesting talking about a different side of hidden people's parts, so it were, today. (laughs) A very different way of getting visible. Very different way of getting visible. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you guys for listening. And please do go support Rebecca's show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.